Uh, let's head uh, let's head to St. Louis. Jeremy Rutherford, St. Louis Blues writer for the Athletic. Jeremy, thanks for joining us today. Oh, anytime, boys. How are you guys doing? Not too shabby. Are you in Toronto or are you in St. Louis? I am not doing some work back here in uh, St. Louis, so I'll miss this one, uh, but watching back here in in St. Louis uh, on TV. You're missing some good Ontario January weather. I got to tell you, (laughs) it's, oh, it's, it's terrific. The the snow's gone. I'm, 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 it's above zero. Well, I guess like 32 (laughs) in your neck of the woods. It's, it's really, it's, it's not a bad time. If you have to, had to make uh, a January trip to Toronto this year, it's, it's not too bad. Um, but, some tough news to begin the year 2023 for the St. Louis Blues, though. Yesterday, they put Ryan O'Reilly and Vlad Tarasenko on uh, injured reserve. They'll be out for a few weeks here. How much of a blow is this for the Blues and, and their playoff push currently sitting on the outside looking in? Well, it is a blow for sure. Uh, I've been saying for a few weeks, and, and I believed it, that uh, the Blues probably should have been thinking in the way of moving their uh, pending free agents probably even before these two injuries and now I think that these two injuries to uh, O'Reilly and Tarasenko kind of confirm that that's that's what the Blues in fact need to do. You look at the success they've had under Doug Armstrong. Look he came in in 2008. He was kind of the GM and waiting for two years so officially he takes over in 2010 and for the past 12 years the Blues have been one of the top five or six teams in the league points percentage wise and they've done it without any many high draft picks. You had uh, an Eric Johnson in there in, in 2006. You had an Alex Petrangelo in there. Uh, but by and large, there haven't been many other top ten picks. And so they've been able to sustain the success. And that's because Doug Armstrong was able to not only have a core, but then continue to develop a, a sub-core underneath it that was eventually going to take over. And they just haven't been able to... Uh, to quite uh, re-hit the reset button, I don't think, many of these years. And so you look at this Blues team, and, you know, if you've seen some cup contenders, this didn't appear to be one uh, this season, uh, even with those two guys. And now without them, uh, I think that Doug Armstrong probably needs to capitalize on some of these assets that he has. That totally makes sense, and it'll be interesting to see kind of what he does. You mentioned just how competitive this franchise has been since he's taken over. It'll be interesting to see um, the direction he goes into to rebuilding it, and maybe it's not a hard rebuild, so to speak, but just um, how he retools and, and kind of gets them back to the playoffs, and um, that starts with getting different guys' looks in the absence of some of these top players. So who are you looking at as far as the players on the roster right now that um, with increased minutes have the potential to step up and and really stake a a spot, not just for this season, but for the future and rebuilding this Blues team? Yeah, it's a good question, and it's interesting. And Doug Armstrong had something really interesting to say about uh, this uh, that I'll get to in just a second. But, you know, I think when you look at this game tonight, Blues-Leafs, you're going to look at the Blues' top six, and it's it's still a pretty good group, even without O'Reilly and Tarasenko. You're still going to see Robert Thomas, Braden Shen, Jordan, Cairo. You know, it's a a decent top six, but obviously the trickle-down effect, you're going to have guys in in the bottom six that were either in the minors a couple days ago or – or uh, fighting to get on the fourth line on some nights. And so now they're going to be counted on uh, in the bottom six. One of the call-ups is uh, Jake Neighbors, uh, first-round pick of the Blues just a couple years ago. He's kind of yo-yoed going back and forth between uh, the NHL and the American Hockey League. And on this last uh, stint in the American Hockey League with the Springfield Thunderbirds, uh, put up some decent numbers. I think he had nine points in nine games. Seven of those were goals. So he'll probably be on the third wing tonight, uh, third to line at the left wing 
uh, tonight. And then you've got a few other guys. But what Doug Armstrong said yesterday, and I agree with it, is this is a tough environment to bring young players into and expect them to, uh, to, to play well because the Blues haven't been playing a good team game, a good defensive game all season long, uh, even with their regulars in it. And so if you're not playing a cohesive style, especially in the defensive zone, you know, how do you put a 19, 20-year-old in there and expect them to, to try to play a team game when the veterans aren't even playing that style? So, you know, will the Blues come together and, you know, rally behind the losses of O'Reilly and Tarasenko and play a scrappy style, gritty style? Yeah, sure. You know, that always tends to happen, especially right out of the gate, right after the injuries. Uh, but uh, I don't expect Doug Armstrong to bring too many young players up and, and just kind of throw them into this based on what he said yesterday. Well, I'm curious. You mentioned that the team has been struggling defensively for the most part of the season, and you know I'm looking at the the, the goaltending, and that seems to have been struggling all year as well. You've got an 8.96 save percentage out of Jordan Bennington, a 3.16 goals against, and uh, it's 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 not any better for Thomas Grice, who's been backing him up. I mean, is that Jordan Bennington having a, a an off season, a down year, or is that a combination of uh, you know the the play in front of him just not being up to par yeah the play in front of him and and when you look at the stats uh particularly with bennington it's some of the most misleading numbers i've seen in 20 years of covering the league from a goaltending uh standpoint he he's had a it's hard to say this when you look at the numbers he has had a solid year i mean anybody who's uh, watched the games on on a nightly basis and you know i know that's uh not everybody um knows that he's been very good, and he, uh, you know, was the victim of a lot of backdoor goals, a lot of, you know, struggles on the penalty kill, so on and so forth. Has he had two or three nights all year where, you know, maybe he wasn't electric? Yeah, sure, um, but I think that for the most part he's been terrific. You know, Thomas Grice hasn't played a ton. I think some nights he's been really, really good, and you know, for a 36, 37 year old, you're like, wow, that's exactly what you need out of the backup. And then there have been other nights that were expected. Uh, where he hasn't played real well. So I think from the goaltending perspective, like if you had to, to, to grade the three positions, forward D and, and goalie, the goalies would get the highest grade at this point in the season, even though that save percentage doesn't look all that uh, attractive. I got to tell you, it's, uh, so I'm just looking at hockey reference right now, and I'll pose this question to both you and uh, you and Jeremy. Did you guys know that there was a, a stat tracked on this website? Really bad starts? No. <laughs> For goalies? No. no. I, I didn't know that either. I'm just looking. I saw RBS. What is RBS? And I hover on it. Really an interesting bad one. Starts. And it's, I guess it starts with a save percentage below 850. And, uh, yeah, so Jordan Bennington, I guess, had six really bad starts, according to uh, whatever analytics they're using for that. So I guess six starts with a sub-50, uh, 850 save percentage, which, to your point, doesn't necessarily mean that he's playing bad. It means that uh, you know what's going on in front of him isn't great. And Toronto's dealt with that a lot over the course of, I mean, my lifetime, but it's been a little bit better um, ever since, uh, the last couple of seasons at least. Uh, we're chatting with Jeremy Rutherford, St. Louis Blues writer for The Athletic. Um, I'm curious, though, like when you look at tonight's game in particular, you know, Ryan O'Reilly was a guy who typically got that tough matchup, right? He's gone. Who is that person that uh, Craig Berube is going to be expecting to step up tonight to get that Matthews or that uh, Marner assignment? Yeah, they'll probably have to share it, especially at home. That's going to be tough, you know, uh, Toronto being at home. 
you know, this would be tough even with O'Reilly in the lineup. Uh, we saw that game just a week ago. Blues did a, a decent job. Uh, you know, O'Reilly is that stalwart for sure. You know, they've been grooming Robert Thomas to be that guy, and I think he's become a much more effective player defensively in his own zone, kind of taking some of those late-game draws, even defensive zone draws, uh, you know, against some of the best centermen in the league. And so I think Robert Thomas being groomed to be that guy for sure. They gave him the big eight-year monster deal that's going to kick in uh, next year. But I think with uh, where they shape up right now with their lines, you'll see Braden Shen at center, and uh, he's probably going to have to split that assignment, you know, depending on, on what they do with the matchups there in Toronto. But, uh, you know, I, I think after that it just significantly drops off. So they're going to have to, uh, to to use those two guys. And, you know, when I say that, uh, Noel Atari is probably going to center that third line for the Blues, and he's been a, a terrific guy, uh, you know, all things considered for the Blues, playing in the bottom six, probably been one of their top five best players. So, uh, But you're, you're talking about all-world players in, uh, in Matthews and that group up there. So I think uh, Robert Thomas is probably going to be the line that, uh, that you're going to see. We mentioned Ryan O'Reilly. He's been a hot topic of conversation here in Toronto, and I think he will be until the trade deadline because a lot of people have looked at him and have thought that he could fit in well with a team like the Leafs who might be looking to add another forward on their second line. Um, but if if someone hasn't seen Ryan O'Reilly play this year and just kind of looks at his his box score numbers and sees the the plus minus they might think he's fallen off so to speak what have you just seen from his game that those numbers really don't represent or has it has it been sort of a down year for him because it's been a down year for this entire blues team from that defensive side of the puck perspective well, first of all, I'm wondering if you're looking over my shoulder at my laptop the past couple days because we had a Jonas and I had a story all ready to go at the Athletic about uh, how how a trade might work with the uh, St. Louis and Toronto for Ryan O'Reilly, and that's uh, on the back burner now with him out for the next six plus weeks. So, so maybe you have to revisit that when uh, Ryan O'Reilly gets healthy. But yeah, no, it's interesting, and I think that was going to be the part that we were looking forward to spelling out for Leafs fans about O'Reilly is that you look at the numbers and. Uh, you know, he hasn't been great, but he's been better than the numbers. And now you guys are going to say, well, this is two guys in a row, Bennington and O'Reilly, that you're trying to tell us are better than the numbers. And, you know, th- those guys have been. Now, let me say this. Ryan O'Reilly, 31 years old. He won a Conn Smythe, won a Stanley Cup a couple years ago with the Blues. Has he lost a step? Yeah, I think uh, everybody who's watched him this year would say that. You look at his assists. Six assists. Like, that is insane to say that this deep into the season – a top-line center has six assists. He'll tell you that himself. Like, he just sits at his locker and shakes his head. He can't believe that. He said, I'm not, I'm not creating enough. But I will say this, and, you know, take it for what it's worth. They started him this season on a line with Jordan Cairo, and Jordan Cairo had needed a map to get back to the defensive zone. Uh, you know, he got the new contract at the start of the season, and he admitted that uh, the expectations, even though it didn't kick in until next year, uh, were a little bit hefty. And so he struggled. Ryan O'Reilly didn't have anybody on his line helping him play defense. The plus minus just grew and grew and grew, and, and now it's you know minus 16. The only guy that they found who could fit to play with Ryan O'Reilly that clicked was a, a guy, Josh Levo, and he's not a top-line player, but it worked, so they stuck with it. So you know there weren't uh, situations where there were a lot of finishes going on on that top line. So you know I do think that there are circumstances why Ryan O'Reilly's numbers, you know, the offense isn't greater. The plus minus isn't better, uh, but I think it, again, if you're sitting there watching him every night, he's played better than those numbers would show. 
Uh, he's done some things that you can't measure that have willed this struggling Blues team back into some games and kind of kept it afloat. Um, and I think most importantly, it's obvious to me, you know, covering the Blues for the last 18 years, watching these contenders each year, that Ryan O'Reilly could easily, when healthy, he gets back from this broken foot, slip onto a good team and be a really big uh, difference maker. Uh, so I'm not on the Blues payroll. I'm not trying to get him a big <laughs> return. All I'm trying to say is that if I could handpick one guy in the last X amount of years who could come in and help a contender, it would be Ryan O'Reilly. I mean, you're, you're bringing in a Conn Smythe winner. It's, it's really, that's, that's all you have to say. And I think people understand what he could do for any playoff contender. Um, and I know there's a lot of people in Toronto who are deeply interested in bringing him into the fold if, if he can get healthy and um, if, the, if the price is right, I guess, also. Uh, Jeremy, really appreciate taking the time. Enjoy the game tonight, pal. Yeah, thanks. And now you're just rubbing it in because I thought about what that story would have uh, got readership-wise. <laughs> it it, it, it would have done very well, I would think. <laughs> very well. But, hey, like you said, revisit it. And in six weeks when he gets back, and I'm sure it'll be even bigger because it'll be closer to the deadline. So I can yeah. still get well, those thanks, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And it uh, be a fun game to watch. And, and it's Absolutely. a bummer I'm missing the uh, the temperature there in that Toronto. <laughs> yeah, it's not often that you can walk around in a T-shirt in, uh, in January and not be looked at funny. But yeah, that's, that's, that's where we're at right now. I uh, appreciate it, Jeremy. Enjoy the game tonight. We'll chat soon. All right. See you guys. All right. There he goes, Jeremy Rutherford, St. Louis Blues writer for The Athletic.